I just liked right. the anecdote you told me about how he doesn't have a car anymore. Well, yeah. you know, it was LB who told me that he doesn't have a car anymore because he kept forgetting to put it in park. Yeah, and it rolled away. <laughs> well, we could talk about Greg for like two hours. We need to, <laughs> we need to get back this to Golden Lovers. We're cutting a promo for a Greg episode right now. <laughs> it's going to happen. Aren't you proud of me? <laughs> yeah, you used the word right. <laughs> I used the word right. I'm advancing on Coda. Everybody, welcome to WrestleSplania. I'm Kath Barbadoro here with my co-host Rachel Millman. Hi, everybody! And uh, this is a podcast where I, a wrestling fan, explain why wrestling is good to a future wrestling fan. I like that it's already advanced from non to future. Yeah. I just, I feel proud of myself for liking something. I know. That's, I feel like uh, sometimes I feel like a very negative person. And that's why I really like wrestling because I really have no interest in things I don't like. I just want to talk about the stuff I like forever. That's been a big thing for me in terms of trying to develop who I am in the last year because it's so easy to reward dunking and shitting on something and yeah. hating something. But I just, I enjoy the feeling of sincerity. I, I, do, I enjoy any feeling of sincerity. And this is, somehow a piece of entertainment that is so marked for, oh, this isn't real. I feel the most things about this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Not the most, but a lot. When I went to WWE, uh, the Patty... Patty Monahan, who we've talked about on every single episode. Um, Our mascot, if yeah. you will. He, he described a wrestling event as an irony-free zone, and I think that that is very yeah, true. Yes. Um, and I actually, I talked to him about this, and he was like, full disclosure, I haven't listened yet. And I was like, nobody listens to anybody's podcast. It's fine. Yeah, I don't no, listen to anyone's. I listened to a little bit of your other venture, What Thank a Time. You. After we did our first episode, I was like, let me listen to What a Time and see how this is. Measuring, and then I listened to my other friend uh, Demi Ajudebe's podcast mm. called Pump Up the Jam, and this is the end of promo time. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, today's this, today's epi- episode is uh, Valentine's Day themed. It's happy a- Valentine's Day, everybody! Happy Valentine's Day. This should uh, be coming out on Valentine's Day. That is our plan. Um, we uh, I don't know how you, any individual listener here, could have a wide range of, emo- of feelings about Valentine's Day or on Valentine's Day. And to me, it's medium. <laughs> well, this is the thing. We were, we were just talking about how uh, we want to be more sincere and we want to be less cynical. So I feel like this is a great challenge because if you're a cynical person, you probably don't love Valentine's Day. If you're a cynical person, Valentine's Day is your Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> For being a shithead. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> So, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, um, we are going to be talking about the Golden Lovers today. One Ooh. of the best wrestling romance stories, I think, ever. But, you know, I'm a new <laughs> wrestling fan. Um, and speaking of, I do want to say, uh, I read that an amazing essay yesterday by friend of the podcast, Hunk Tears. Our other person I think we've brought up on every episode. Yes, yeah, as it should be. Um, they're a huge influence on both of us, I think, in our wrestling love but it's on Spectacle of Excess, uh, which is a great website full of really wonderful essays on wrestling. Um, but they wrote an essay called A Body from the Balcony about a Golden Lovers, Kota Ibushi versus Kenny Omega match. And uh, it's incredible. Go read it. I do want to read this one quote from it that I feel like really sums up how I feel about wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um They wrote, uh, what I do know is why I'm watching wrestling. I watch because I love stories without words. I watch because I love performance. I watch because I love hot people with muscles. (laughs) I can't tell you what the best wrestling story is, but I can tell you about the stories that capture me and the stories that I understand. And that's what this is to me. That's what the Golden Lovers is to me. I think that's... In some ways, if I'm going to sound a little heady for a moment, that's sort of the ethos. That's like you said, that's the ethos we're aiming for here in terms of I don't know everything, but I know what I love. Yeah. I know what I respond to. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just having a conversation pre-recording about how it's very interesting that Kath and I may have. We're still not sure if we have wildly different taste in media and movies and TV shows and stuff but that there's this a great common bond we have that we're developing, rather, over what we enjoy about this. Because yeah. I, there's, there's only, I can't change 
uh, how I consume things. Uh, but we are finding that we like a lot of the same things very naturally. Yeah. 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 Well, we both love drama. So true. There's, <laughs> there's so much drama in this. There's um, just an incredible amount of well delivered drama yeah. that I love. So, and speaking of that, I do, before we kind of get into what we watched and how we felt about it, I want to give our listeners a little bit of a background on the Golden Lovers. Um, and then we'll talk about some of this stuff in depth. But if you don't know, uh, the saga of the Golden Lovers, this is a very good time to get into it because there have been some wonderful recent developments, which we will talk about. But the Golden Lovers are a tag team in Japan uh, of two wrestlers, Kota Ibushi, uh, who is a Japanese uh, honk, honk, <laughs> uh, possible millionaire. He's like from a rich family and he's just like a weirdo who wrestles. And yeah. that he's... We'll, we'll get into it. But yeah, so Kota Bushi and then Kenny Omega, who is a uh, Canadian... Honk. Honk. <laughs> <laughs> and Kenny Omega has wrestled the... Even though he's Canadian, he's wrestled the majority of his career in Japan. Um, and this story is so amazing because... This the story of the Golden Lovers is kind of the story of both of these men's creative lives and, and careers, in addition to being this really moving relationship. It's really, really beautiful. And I it's it's so apparent in just their interactions alone. And the only thing I'm sad about in terms of I I, I binge watched all of the storyline for this podcast is that I'm sort of sad I didn't have a four year buildup of longing because yeah. I can't imagine like that shows one how much they do have either have love or display love depending on how 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 you view them as a team and as a duo and as just storyline they they it shows how much they love each other but it also shows how much they love their audience yeah that they're not going to leave them hanging that they're going to give them this payoff they're, they're well, going to give them this worthy continuation yeah well, that's like what's so crazy about this story is it begins 10 years ago. <laughs> this is a 10-year-long saga. So it starts with um, Kenny Omega is in Canada. He's feeling sort of creatively frustrated because there's not anybody around who he feels is on his level, who has the same sort of perspective on wrestling and the athletic ability. Is so this after he did a year of training with WWE or is this prior to? I think this is afterward. Yeah. I think this is after. So yeah, he's a, he trained with WWE. He realized he didn't like it. He didn't like the atmosphere there. Um, he dropped out. He didn't like being creatively stifled. Yeah, he it, it was not for him. And so then he's like sort of feeling like he's at a dead end with wrestling. And then he sees a tape of Kota Ibushi. And, and a light... A light turns on and yeah. never turns off. Yeah. <laughs> so he sees this guy on a tape and he says, I have to wrestle that guy, which is like, oh, I'm swooning. It's so good. It's 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 so much more romantic. Not that there isn't something really wonderful about how when everybody points at the WrestleSplania sign. It's <laughs> I like that you called it the WrestleSplania sign. Wow. Okay. <laughs> My ego is great. My language is great. You know what I mean. Yeah. I'm not even going to correct it. It's the WrestleSplania sign. <laughs> when it, whenever Everybody in WWE points at whatever sign is up of like they're Babe Ruthing it. He doesn't. It's just it's so pure that he just did it and was like, I have to do this. It's it's kind of like Mary Sue self insert fanfic made yeah. real. Yeah, he's like, I need I need to be in the story. I'm inserting myself into the story. Mm -hmm. So he does that. He also sends. Uh, He's, he sends this video of him calling out Ibushi. He's, he's cuts a promo. It's called, anytime a wrestler is um, talking in character about a match, it's called a promo. Um, we've used that word on the podcast before, but I've never made explicit what it meant. Yeah, so, and we've been meaning to do vocabulary on this. So yeah. there's your, today's secret word is promo. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> Kenny Omega cuts a promo on Ibushi, challenging him to a fight. Um, he also films this really wonderful YouTube video. You should go watch it if you have time. It's called Kenny Omega mega king of the anywhere match where he's wrestling a guy at a lake house and they're like uh throwing each other's faces into the stove and like using the refrigerator door as a weapon it's great i love the wood paneling in that yeah. in the cabin too it says so much of like the very middle class status kenny is at i love the the first promo is shot in an alley yeah well we're i need to get through all of the history and then yeah, we can go back and talk about all this because there's so much yes so he does that. He goes to Japan. Um, 
he gets his match with Ibushi. That match ends up winning match of the year um, in Japan. And that is Kenny's ticket into Japan. So Is that like the Oscars? Or is that more of best new artist? It's like, uh, I, I think probably not as legitimate as either of those, but oh, still no. pretty good. No, no, no. <laughs> I just mean in the vacuum of their uh, entertainment value. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is like it it made his career. So I'm it, it's better than Best New Artist because when you win that, your career is over. That's true. So <laughs> it's pretty good. So they have this match. It wins match of the year. Kenny is suddenly a fixture in Japan in uh, this promotion called DDT. So then they DDT start- What does DDT stand for? A dramatic Dream Team, which we'll talk what? about DDT. It's Oof. very- Interesting. It sounds like bug removal, but dramatic dream team. That's fantastic. DDT is also a wrestling move. So it's like, it has many meanings. Um, dick, dick, turn. Yes. But uh, yeah, so they have this match and then they start uh, tag teaming together. So they, they start teaming together. Um, originally they were called the Golden Twins, but then Kenny uh, corrects an interview and says, no, 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 we're the Golden Lovers. And thus starts this sort of heavy homoerotic Overtone. I don't even want to say undertone because it's very explicit um, <laughs> that they are a couple and um, they have this like very deep relationship that goes beyond wrestling. So they tag, they win the tag titles. They start working in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's a, it's a big deal. Um, cut to uh, 2015. So they've been tagging together for years. Uh, Ibushi is wrestling AJ Styles, who is the leader of this faction in New Japan called Bullet Club. Don't worry, we will be doing an AJ Styles episode at some point. We in absolutely future. will. <laughs> so, um, Ibushi's wrestling AJ Styles. Kenny Omega at this point is now a member of Bullet Club. So he is technically on AJ Styles' team, even though he's wrestling his old tag partner who he's in love with. So, at the end of the match, Kenny Omega comes up to the side of the ring, uh, stands on the apron and looks at Kota Ibushi and distracts him, which allows AJ Styles to win. The You have to watch this on YouTube. It's such a heartbreaking moment. It's so dramatic and Kenny starts crying. Like it's, it's such a weird thing. And that is kind of the last they ever really interacted until very recently. And we'll, we'll talk about it, but yeah, so that's kind of the history of the golden lovers up to a month or two ago. Um, so Rachel watched like all of that stuff. So now I, now we can go back and I want to hear your impressions of all of this. Of all of, of all of everything prior to, uh, I really loved, I mean, I just, I wrote down so much and I, what I did when I felt too many manic, a lot of thoughts coming on is that I just pulled out my notes app, didn't even type anything in, just turned on the voice to text and rambled into it. And it looks like the writings of a crazy person because <laughs> it is. Uh, but I'll just start linear, I guess. Uh, the first promo where it's shot in an alley, he has like, Kenny has Justin Timberlake in no strings attached era curls. He has the weirdest hair. Like that's he definitely his real hair. Has the weirdest hair. I mean, that's a hard hair to have. <laughs> that's, that's like tough. He's notably way less permatanned. In the in the yeah, early video, he doesn't oh, yeah. look. Like, Kenny can pull off looking like leather, but he also definitely doesn't look like leather in that video. So it just reinforces how much more of a baby he is. For some reason, I think it's well. I think it's really funny when any wrestler is wearing pants at all. It's yeah, funny. They look weird in clothes. It's funny when they're not wearing pants, but in a different way. But like <laughs> Kenny is in straight up chino shorts. Yeah, I think, and you can't see his shoes, but inherently you know that they're a skateboarding. You brand. know, I was just gonna say they're. He's wearing Airwalks. Like I know he's wearing Airwalks. Or he bought them. He his entire outfit is from Zoomies. One hundred percent. And it's not even like an overtly Zoomies outfit. He just possesses like Zoomies as an adjective. He has like as Zoomies a, energy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like you just could just look at him and know exactly which stores he shops at in the mall and what grade you were in when you were like, that guy's cute. <laughs> <laughs> like the Vans t-shirt I found to be so endearing that I even wrote it down. Uh, and I, I, another thing I wrote was, uh, 
why the fuck you lying they live style alley like you know the <laughs> you know that video of why are you always lying yeah where he leans on the toilet um, <laughs> it, but it's also just like it's just a shithole alley yeah well <laughs> so at this point Kenny is living in Winnipeg which is a shithole city and sorry uh, Winnipeg it sucks it's not cool I feel like people from there know it sucks I don't I'm not from there so you're I, not allowed I, to say it sucks. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of my weird rule of like I can say Albany sucks, but if you haven't lived there, how fucking dare you? Uh, well, I sorry can... to our listeners in Winnipeg. Um, <laughs> <Not> Rachel, <sorry. laughs> Rachel has disavowed my comments. <laughs> and like I'm the same way about Buffalo. Like, yeah, Buffalo is cold all the time, but guess what? Buffalo kind of rocks. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, he's in Winnipeg, which uh, allegedly sucks. I uh, will say allegedly. How about that? Um, and he's bored. He yeah. wants to be creative. So do you have any, like, w- what did you think of the actual promo? Like him calling out Ibushi and stuff? Oh, he's like a he's like a confident baby deer, which is really just inverse of each other. But <laughs> he's based on my first exposure to Kenny and the Kenny that we have now in the present versus like this young little baby Kenny. It's it's definitely not the same. He definitely doesn't have the same confidence. And that's true of any young performer when you any performer when you yeah. watch their old stuff. Like Ted Danson in the good place versus Ted Danson on Cheers. I've already brought up this comparison, mostly because I think I want to have sex with Ted, Ted Danson. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I mean same. Uh he's 70. Uh that's but, wild. Yeah, he looks That's so really good. Um, but it's what the impression I got off of it is like you. What's so amazing about seeing any performer from any entertainment is watching them develop and seeing like the hints and the notes and the beginnings of who they turn into as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's like one of the things that makes this story so interesting. On the one hand, it's incredible that there's such a seriously told um, queer story in wrestling that it's not it's not for comedy. It's not a heel thing. It's just two people with this really intense yes. love and and respect and uh, like. In, they're so inspired by each other. And so I think like watching baby Kenny and baby Kota and then seeing where they are now, it's like they got there because of each other, yeah. which is so cool. There's there's a, a lot of real beauty to that story. And I I was saying to Kath when we were watching some clips together, I just, I just squeaked out like, I love being a Mark. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to know if it's not real. Yeah. I don't, it's it's so wonderful as a story. Well, that's another thing that's sort of interesting about this is that it's definitely um, been implied in kayfabe, at least that Kenny is bisexual. Um, and he's sort of made indirect references to that uh, in other like media and stuff, but he is pretty cagey about is this the character? Is this me? Like, people don't really know. I think that also has to do with the fact that Kenny has a such clear love of his job. That's, I always say he's Valsal for wrestling. Like, I think he's just... (laughs) He might be, He, like, doesn't fuck, I don't think. Yeah, he doesn't fuck because he's just too good at it. He only fucks... Him fucking is him wrestling a bushi. I can't wait to get emails of people just being like, hi, respectfully, I believe Kenny Omega fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he... he, I I think that just says so much of him that he wants to just completely become this character. Exactly. And always be this character. He's... I kept saying... He's Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. He's completely Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> and I, like, it's interesting because I feel like in some ways, oh, if you're doing this queer story and you're not queer, is that queer baiting on some level? And it's like, maybe, but they're telling this story with so much dignity and so much sincerity yeah, that I don't... Yeah, there's a difference. And yeah. there's often talk about in, you know, more traditional media of like, hey, it's fucked up that Jeffrey Tambor played a trans woman right. when Jeffrey Tan- Tambor himself is not trans, even prior to any Me Too allegations. Right, right. It's like, that's fucked, and who is it? Uh, God, the, I forget his goddamn name. The guy who played the one of, like, the first, Lil Edie, I think her name was, of the trans woman a couple years ago for an Oscar bait movie. Alicia Vikander won the Oscar. I don't remember. For, uh, whatever. But it was a, it was a similar and correct discourse of like, hey, you could have just cast a trans woman. Right. It's okay. Right. Uh, and but I, in terms of queerbaiting, it just it feels 
And maybe I'm just justifying this because I like it, which is a thing that people do. Sure. I mean, everyone does this. Is that it's just good. It's believable. It's it's they're not playing it up for hokey. They are not doing it for any prestige because it's goddamn wrestling. Yeah. They just love it. They just really <laughs> love it and they they wanted to tell this story. And it's clearly, if it's not like gay, not gay, have they fucked? Who knows? But I do know that they definitely have immense creative respect for each other mm. and like are I think do their best work when they're e- working together in some way either or against each other each or other. tag team so I mean just in purely if you are in a ring together even if you are not on the same tag team you are working together yeah yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. that's no and if you're against somebody you're working with them yeah like because it's fake um, <laughs> sorry but yeah so so yeah then he goes to Japan We so the matches we watched if anybody's curious we watched a highlight reel of their first match against each other we're gonna put all this out in a Google Doc by yeah. the way yeah 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 we watched uh, a tag match with them uh, against our friend Fergal yes and I was so <laughs> excited because I went to go watch all of this last night because I wanted to make sure my thoughts on it were fresh and I forgot that Kath had been like hey our friend Fergal is in this uh, we've also made a conscious choice to only call him Fergal. He's on the Fergal pro- now. He's Sorry. Fergal. He's Fergal. <laughs> uh, if you want to know who he is, listen to older episodes. Uh, <laughs> I, we, but I forgot that he was in it. And so I see this guy who kind of looks like Fergal. And I said, wait, am I being like kind of racist about the Irish? That's not possible. <laughs> and then I see Prince Devitt come up. And I was like, ah! And I was so proud of myself that I so you went back him? to being a fifth grader of like, I know that wrestler's name. <laughs> I know him. Uh, and I was really fun. And also, it landed me with a better impression of Fergal himself. Yeah. It was a better narrative. Yeah. but And I understand. And I also have to say that people respectfully, because we've had nothing but great... And we forgot to say this in the first five minutes. We've had nothing but wonderful feedback. And we we're really so have. bowled over. And I'm going to repeat this again at the end. Uh, but people were like, hey, you might not know this, but this is a really hard spot to be in. People have always done this. Yeah. And there's basically one guy who is really, really good at this. And everyone else, it's difficult. So I don't blame you for having a bad yeah. first impression. Yeah, yeah. But he was really fun. I really loved him. The first one of the first ones I watched after the promo is the highlight reel of maybe their first match together. Mm-hmm. And again, it's very similar themes of Kenny is so young, he's so brash, but he's such an obviously good performer. Yeah. He's so dramatic. He's incredibly over the top. <laughs> he's so over the top and you see the beginnings of it and you see those rough edges begin to get smoother because he's, at this point, <coughs> his his initial dream has come true. He's getting to wrestle Kota. Yeah, in Japan, where he's always he wanted has, to wrestle. He is, every single person who writes fanfic, he, he's finally the living embodiment of this dream can happen. Yeah. Uh, and it's so tangible. Uh, where in, I, you just see that I, anybody else they're up against, they finally get their dream, you know? I finally got to get, be with Robert Pattinson while he's in Twilight. <laughs> and anybody else would freeze up. That's not a bad thing. And the fact that Kenny holds his own and he knows his performance and he's just kind of... He's not better than Kota at that point, I don't think. But the fact that he's holding his own is really incredible. Uh, And it's just so talented and willing as a performer. I think (laughs) something that's really interesting about Omega to me, and uh, LB talked about this in their essay uh, for Spectacle of Excess, he's considered now to be generally, arguably the best wrestler in the world. And I usually am not super interested in what the wrestling world thinks is the best wrestling because it's, it's a lot of it is usually um, it's based on who can do the coolest moves, which is totally legitimate, but not really the reason I watch wrestling. And I think what's so interesting is that Kenny Omega is clearly He's amazingly athletic. He can do incredible he's stuff in the ring. He's such a gymnast. He's a, it's such a gymnast. He's so like un, physically unbelievable in that way. But what's interesting to him, and I know this because I've watched interviews with him, he likes the story. He is interested in telling a story. And he like, even in this match, even when he's young and uh, he can't do 
as many things as he does now and he's, you know, not as refined, he clearly still wants to get the story over, which is mm-hmm. so fun to watch. A thing I maniacally voiced to text memoed in there is what I find to be super cool about watching a lot of wrestling is that if you really want to know the meat and potatoes of a movie or a TV show, you can just go onto Wiki, read the plot points, and be like, oh, that sounds like a cool story. And I don't think you could really do that with a wrestling match because Mm-mm. there's so much nuanced and little detail in just sort of just a smack of two hands. Yeah. It's it tells a story and it tells so much of a story. So in- much of it is is um about the timing and uh, it's it's like you know like you kept saying when we were watching it it's like ice dancing. Yes. <laughs> You couldn't read a Wikipedia of ice dancing and like ice no, dancing. No, you couldn't. And like, you can't hear a description of ice dancing. You're going to go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like the only sport that sounds faker than ice dancing is the biathlon where you ski and then shoot a gun and then ski <laughs> and then shoot a gun. That sounds I, so fun. I really want to do that. I watched it last night. It rocks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's very much like ice dancing. There's a difference between, I mean, yeah, ice dancing is like an extremely corny sport in the Olympics, but that's why it rules. Yeah. You know what else? is corny professional wrestling <laughs> it's very corny <laughs> every every sport has its corniness uh it, but there's a difference between ice dancing and figure skating too figure skating is much more athletic there's much more points for turns ice dancing is all about story mm-hmm. ice dancing if you pick the wrong song you really dick yourselves over and since we're mid-olympics right now like the tessa virtue scott moyer thing if you're not familiar it's incredible edging it's the only better edging is Golden Lovers, in my opinion, uh, where you just the where you, you you you've been watching this these two people skate since 2010, and you just screaming like, please fuck each other, just do it <laughs> on the ice, give it to me, and uh, it's a very similar thing of like you want this payoff, you've been waiting yeah. for it. Well. Since we're talking about wanting people to fuck each other, we should talk about the match we just watched with them. <laughs> of uh, We watched, and this is the, the match that uh, LB wrote their essay about. Um, it's the last time Ibushi and Omega were against each other in a singles match, and it was the 2012 um, Budokan Hall match, known primarily for being the match that got Kota Ibushi banned from Budokan Hall because he did a moonsault, a moonsault off a balcony onto Kenny Omega. And it I is wish, an extremely horny wrestling match. I wish Kath had taken a photo of my face when he does it, too. She basically did the Home Alone face. Like, it was like... Except my lips were somehow more squished into this, like, really sharp oval. Uh, where... Because he climbs up the balcony and immediately Immediately, I thought of, I don't know how familiar everybody, anybody else is with dumb VMA history, but there is a really, when the VMAs were still kind of fun and interesting, there was a, there was a great moment, I think it was the late 90s, maybe 2000, where it was best rock band and somebody in, Rage Against the Machine was nominated and somebody in Rage Against the Machine in, very, in the most extremely Rage Against the Machine thing you could do was like, wait, they're not going to reward me. They're going to give an award to Limp Biscuit. Like, buddy, I hate to inform you about the ethos of your own band, but you're at MTV right now. <laughs> there is a machine that's working. They're going to record what's popular. And the Rage Against the Machine guy climbed up onto the VMA's podium and wouldn't come down. Yeah. And it's just... It was yeah, Tom Morello, I think. Pretty sure it was Tom Morello. I, I don't think it was Tom Morello, but... I've been wrong a lot of points in my life. <laughs> uh, but yeah, one of them gets up there and she was just like, fuck this. I'm not participating in this corporate bullshit anymore, which is, again, you're at MTV, buddy. But the Kota climb just reminded me of that. I really like, the. there are a lot of things I like about this match, but <laughs> the, the thing I like specifically in that moment is that Kenny starts climbing it and people start going nuts. And then Kota's just like, uh-uh. Like, it, it's, again, this idea of they're, they're egged on and, and, like, you kept using the term co-muse. Like, they're so inspired by each other. Kenny starts climbing it and Coda's like, you're not doing that, I'm doing that. And I'm going to do it better than you. So he, <laughs> he rips Kenny off of the scaffolding, kicks him in the stomach, and then starts climbing it himself. So he's just like, uh-uh, dude, no. Like, this is, this is mine you? now. This yeah. is mine. Yeah. And so then he climbs up and he gets to the balcony. He's in a balcony. And Omega is below him and it's 
the lighting is really interesting because it's dark and there's just a spotlight on him. And there's a spotlight on Coda and there's a spotlight on Kenny. And Kenny is just sort of looking up at him frozen. Like he's like a beautiful rare moon. Yeah. Yeah. He's transfixed. He's transfixed. By this beautiful idiot who's about <laughs> to to jump he's on him. He's his eclipse. He's his sun. He's his moon. And the moon is also about to crash down into Earth. Like, yeah. Uh, and it's just, I can't. If I were to verbalize how I would, how I, this made me feel, it would just be all vowels. Like I just, I want, I want, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, pause it and go watch it. Yeah. And it's come really back. wonderful. It's, and there's so many spots in that match that are so sexual. sexual. <laughs> it's, it's a very, it's one of the more homoerotic matches I've seen, which is saying a lot because wrestling is very homoerotic. Wrestling is very gay. Uh, it's, they, they're, they're, what's the, there's the point where it's just basically like if their dicks were out, they'd be fucking. Yeah. Well, there's the, the point where, um, uh, Kenny is, is lying on the top turnbuckle and the way that he's lying is so sexual. Like he has his legs spread and he's sort of spread and his arms are out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like, and even before his, his, they're up, like he's just like splayed out. Like he looks like a, like post orgasmic body. Oh yeah. And then absolutely after you have like, I, no, that's too vulgar. I, what I was going to go for was too vulgar, and it involves the word Hitachi. You can put it together. Uh, but yeah, but then then Kota climbs up to the top rope and folds his legs over him, and it's like a full-on butt-fucking position, and then it's flips him over. It's missionary, which is so tender. It's so tender, yeah. Face-to-face butt-fucking. It's that, that's what's so interesting is like... Uh, I think, and we've talked about this before um, off mic, but there's the stuff that seems gay about wrestling on the surface, and then there's the stuff that is really gay, not on the surface. Like yeah. you have these, like, yeah, they're all like these waxed, muscly dudes, fine. But what's really gay- They're touching each other's butts nonstop. Yeah. But like the gay stuff is like the eye contact and the and the holds uh, and the the gay stuff to me is just the ultimate trust of yeah, yeah. you can try and break my neck I love you yeah exactly uh, that's the gay stuff the gay stuff is <laughs> the gayest thing in the world is waiting for your friend to jump off a balcony onto you that's like the gayest thing uh, ever God that's good I love it so much it's yeah it's. I just want, I'm sure if I go back to Attitude Era stuff, I could find wrestlers doing the Titanic top of the world thing. (laughs) But this just feels so much more emotionally close to it. Uh, It really does, yeah. It does. And I, there, it was, there's a note in here in my notebook from last night that's just so sexual. Wow, what the fuck? And I don't (laughs) remember what it was about, but it's just true. And to go back to what Cass said earlier about co-muses, I don't want to get into spoilers if you haven't seen Phantom Thread yet, but there's a lot of stuff with the Kenny Kota thing that remind me of the themes of Phantom Thread. And I won't, I won't spoil it, but it's a lot of stuff about how you go from being, how do you go from being amused to being a partner? Mm -hmm. How do you go from, okay, I love this person, but I have to meet them at their ground. They just, they destroy each other with so much love. Yeah, I think that that's like thematically uh, the thing that resonated with me when you said, oh, this is like Phantom Thread. And then I I read the plot of Phantom Thread and I was like, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to spoil it, but it is uh, conceptually about uh, destroy, like, you're the best version of yourself creatively with the person you love, even He's if that destroying means destroying the person you love and destroying yourself. You're yeah. both. It's just a mutually destructive thing, but you're like in this sort of sublime space with them. Ugh. And that is so much what the golden lovers are about to me. Like they are, they Kodobushi, like they could have died. Like they're so, they're, they're insane. If I like, <laughs> I'm so worried about that. <laughs> There's so much to it, too. Yeah, exactly. There's so many points where they could die at any point. Yeah. It's just PEDs, your fucking neck. Yeah. You could suffer. I'm, there you suffer just, like, such tailbone trauma that you have a seizure. 
Yeah, I mean, the in their very first match together, uh, Ibushi pile drives Kenny into a pile of chairs on pavement. Like, yes. and this is their first meeting. Oh, yeah, that that was where I really got that phantom thread thing from, too. Their first meeting, they go out, they they chant outside, outside, outside. Yeah, they, and they go outside. Chekhov's outdoors. Uh, <laughs> and where they're just, it's really, it's a really brutal match to watch in a way because, it's so much of Kenny's matches are gymnastic and just it's very much a dance but this one is like I am going to destroy myself so you respect me and I'm yeah. going to destroy you because you because so you love me yeah yeah that's completely Ooh. what's happening like chills so uh, <laughs> we should probably get to the recent developments in this uh, so there's this passionate love and as everyone <laughs> knows your big passionate relationship that makes you kind of moony eyed when you think about it it never doesn't end in a train wreck. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, and so it ends, and there's just this there's this separation between these two people who inspired e- each other so much. And well, because I will, one betrayed the other. One betrayed the other. I will go out on a limb and say that there is genuine love there outside of any planning, outside of anything, because of how much Kenny and Kota uh, uh, immerse themselves in this sport. I would call it a sport. Uh, immerse themselves in this sport, there's kind of no line anymore of, like, real life versus my fake life. Yeah, well, and that's something that they, um, in their few years after this, after Kenny double-crosses Kota, um, they don't really talk, but they sort of, they are asked about each other a lot in interviews and stuff. And the way they talk about it is so fucking anime. It's, it's so, so like, wistful. It is. Well, it's very like, I, I like, I'll be here waiting for you. Like whenever you're ready, I'm here. Like uh, unclear whether it's, I'll be waiting for you so we can be in love again, or I'll be waiting to, for you so I can murder you shoot, in a wrestling you match. with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of like, Sometimes people will ask Kenny about Kota and he'll be like, nope, not talking about it. Like, yes, that's one of the first things you mentioned to me too when we watched uh, the Omega Jericho match, yep. which is that, have you, and you turned to Tim and I, you were like, have you guys heard about this? Yeah. And you sent me that great Reddit post. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and also like there's that going on and then there's um, this recent rivalry with uh, Cody Rhodes and Kota Ibushi. Again, very anime. V- extremely anime. Cody is like one of the most anime people I've ever seen in my life. I, lo- I think that's why I like him so much because he's so <laughs> cartoonish. Yeah, he really is. He's very, like, all of his features are very exaggerated. I don't think he's, like, a, a great wrestler. He has some good matches. His matches against Ibushi have been really good. So maybe he's getting better. Maybe but Ibushi is just, like, the ultimate sponge. He Well, he's so good that he makes everybody else good. He's, like, insane. He's probably, I mean, Omega's my favorite, but he's, like, top three for sure. Like, yeah. he's so good. Um but yeah, so he, so Cody and Abushi have been fighting, and Cody has been taunting Abushi with like, "Kenny doesn't love you the way I love you," like stuff like that. Like he said that to him in the Wrestle Kingdom match. Ugh. Yeah, so he's sort of taunting him with Cody's relationship with Kenny because they're in Bullet Club together. But meanwhile, Cody and Kenny have been kind of. The, the, that relationship has been strained. Yeah, Cody so, is gunning for union leader and Kenny is cur- currently union leader. Exactly, yeah. There's <laughs> union struggles in the Bullet Club. We're going to make this so left. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the, what happens after Wrestle Kingdom is that uh, Cody and Abushi are... So Abushi beats Cody at Wrestle Kingdom. Then the next night, they're in a tag match against each other uh, with some other people. The match ends and Cody just starts attacking Ibushi. He gets a chair. He's about to hit him with a chair. And all of a sudden, who comes to his rescue? Pocahontas. Pocahontas. <laughs> Pocahontas in the form of Kenny Omega. Yep. And it's just, it's. I watched it and I think of every single scene in a Nicholas Sparks movie or like I said Pocahontas and because I saw it on TV recently The Hunger Games where you know your love is being destroyed and you are the only one who can stop him with your frail frail feminine body except you know it's a giant tanned man (laughs) (laughs) saving another giant tanned man from a third giant tanned man a couple braided rat tails (laughs) uh, and just like they're really sculpted thighs Uh, but like it's just stop 
it's, you know, you yeah. put yourself on the cross to save everyone. Exactly. So, and, and also, like, not only is he putting himself on the line to save his friend, he's putting his relationship, his job on the line because he's the leader of Bullet Club. It's so good. So, yeah, it's amazing. So he runs out, he yells at Cody. Um, he and Ibushi don't really... They don't really have any interaction after that. Like, yeah, Kenny I just saves him. Koda Im- gets away. Immediately longing for, like, what? what is, is there going to be any co- eye contact? Because the the match where he betrays him is that's like the one detriment to that original Reddit summary that you sent me, where it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, he looks sad for a moment. Like, no, He's- he is in open pain for maybe three minutes on screen, but it feels like 40. Yeah, and he's like, it It again speaks to the fact that like, Kenny Omega is an incredible f- physical wrestler, but he's also a really good actor. Yes. And I mean, again, it's debatable how much of this is acting and how much of this is. I love being a Mark. It's so mark good. For, a mark forever. <laughs> uh, I just, it's, it's incredible. It's, the, the pain he feels in terms of I lost this person I love for my own selfishness. It's what La La Land wants it, wants to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking of. Because I've been trying to figure out like the best. So, so, so much of this is classic storytelling. Yeah. And some of this is Shakespearean and Greek storytelling and John Steinbeck and shit uh, that I've been trying to find, I guess you could say, like, the smarter comparisons instead of, you know, the no, Hunger Games. No, do the, do the dumb comparisons. I love being dumb. <laughs> uh, but it's, they, all, the entirety of this story is just every Nicholas Sparks novel. It really is. And I is. say that in a complimentary manner. Right. It's such a, it, it's such a romance and it's just, like. It's longing from afar. I don't want to compare it to Call Me By Your Name because that's, I don't want it to be like, oh, two queer things. But it is, it's, it's longing and it's betrayal and it's how do you reconcile that? Well, there's, there's threads of so many famous love stories in this story. And I think what's so interesting is just the fact that this is not really a, a type of story that has been told in this medium. Like this genre is not often associated with wrestling. Horny longing. Right, yeah. I mean, and it should be because so much wrestling is horny longing, but it's oh. like, it's very rarely made explicit in this way. Yes. And I think that's what's like really cool about it. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's very dynamic to go for it in that manner. Uh, and just, I, cause we were also talking about how, comparatively, and this isn't a knock on either of their talents, just Kenny is the more expressive one. Yeah, well, I think, and I think that speaks to their character. But also speaking of, I want to read a really good quote from Kota Ibushi. Um, so, yeah, I was like, wait, yeah. is Kota Ibushi just like the silent brooding type or is he dumb? And you were like, it's both, but mostly the latter. He's, yeah, I don't want to say he's dumb. I will say that um, he communicates his intelligence physically. <laughs> <laughs> he is, I think... <laughs> he's like a genius at wrestling. He's like really stupid at everything else. Mungo like candy. <laughs> so here's a, a quote from an interview. He's asked, do you have any hobbies? Anything you like? And he says, honestly, I don't really like anything. What's the deal with golf? Why do old people like it? It's social, I think. It's good to have a hobby. I guess I'm still looking for one. And the interviewer says, fishing? And he says, fishing pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta yeah. say, fishing He's, does piss me off. He goes on to say, what's fun about it? When you get a fish, what happens then? That's what pisses me off about fishing. Then he's asked if he reads. And he says, I tried getting into reading. It did my head in. Somebody created all this, made characters, and made you envision them, become them, see what they see. It's amazing. I don't trust books. I don't trust, <laughs> I don't trust books is like a flat earther wishes. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, that's incredible too. I didn't I didn't know the full quote. You just told me he said I don't trust books, which is great. He doesn't trust them because they make him be imaginative. <laughs> he doesn't he's trust it. The, he's doing the most imaginative things though. I just I, I, I like what that I mean he is can't I, conceptualize of that transferring to any other medium. Yeah. I think that's what it is though is like. That's so good. He can only, he can only um, experience those kinds of things physically like he doesn't he doesn't engage with it intellectually it's it's a physical performance for him like that's the transportive thing he needs a thunder shirt yeah (laughs) i just 
I don't know. He's like a, he's a brilliant idiot, which I think describes like a lot of wrestlers I like. Uh, just a brilliant idiot. Would you rank Greg as a brilliant idiot? Yes, I would. We're going to do like a whole episode about Greg. Uh, I think our, Greg our new might- best friend, Greg. <laughs> Our goal is, if Greg ever listens to this, I'm going to be like, oh, it's a bit. It's not. Our goal for the end of the year is to be friends with Greg. We're going to do it. Wait, for listeners who don't know who Greg is. Greg is, um, he wrestles under the name Trent with a question mark, which is a terrible wrestling name. Trent? Um, he used to wrestle in WWE as Trent Barretta. He's on Twitter as Trenty Locks. Even if you don't like wrestling, you should follow him because he's so dumb and silly. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah, we were talking about how Coda's a, a, a brilliant idiot. idiot. Yeah. And like Kenny is much more, I guess you could say probably traditionally smart. Yeah, I'd describe him as more cerebral. I would say that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. like that. I just traditionally a book learner. <laughs> he, he knows when he, how to read. Well, like <laughs> when, when Omega gives interviews about wrestling, he approaches wrestling a lot more like a stereotypical artist approaches their art, which I feel like is kind of uncommon for wrestlers. Yeah. Like, even though they are artists and they are doing art, I think they have a very different way of thinking about it than like, I think about comedy or a painter thinks about painting. Yeah. Whereas, like, Kenny Omega seems to me like someone who thinks about wrestling the way a painter thinks about painting. I also don't blame any wrestler for thinking about it in the pure physical. Not at all, not at all. Because as it's just, I mean, you can can be like, you can be like a smark and be like, hey, all of this is fake. It's fake, but they're still being hit in the head. I don't blame them for thinking about their black eye first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of like the story behind what the shiner means. Well, and I don't think that thinking about it physically necessarily means you're thinking about it less creatively, you just are not, it's not going through your brain. It's going through your body. Yeah, you're just And I'm ax- someone who's much more intellectual. I am i don't have like a physical intelligence yeah. the way those people do. So to me, it seems more foreign, but some people, that's just how they interact with the world. Yeah, it's top down or bottom up in terms of how you access it. Sure. Because, and I, I, I don't blame anybody for a top down, I guess probably top down because, or depending on how you think about it, because you know, it is the thing that hit, that touched you first is a fist to your eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, what were we talking about before then? Oh yeah, the and we have to get to the grand. Yeah, so finale. The we talked oh. about how Kenny saved Coda uh, at the match after Wrestle Kingdom. Cut to uh, of last weekend or the weekend before. Um, at a, it was the same weekend of the Rumble, I think. Yes, it was the same weekend as the Rumble, so 28th, 27th, 28th. Um, there, uh, Omega is wrestling Jay White, a.k.a. Switchblade, a.k.a. the Knife Pervert. Knife Pervert. Um, again, another legacy of Greg. Greg <laughs> named him the Knife Pervert because Greg is really funny. Um, <laughs> and ruined his bit. And ruined his, his gimmick. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, so he's switchblade. He loves knives. Greg called him the knife pervert. He wrestled Omega. Uh, Omega lost. The knife pervert won. He won a title. So what happens is um, another associate of Bullet Club, Omega's stable, uh, Hangman Page comes out uh, in jeans, a belt, and cowboy boots, which is weird. The really notable thing to me was the belt because the belt was so thick. It wasn't just like, you know... A thin Uniqlo belt, like it was a no. statement belt. It was a steak. It was like a. It, <laughs> it was, was a thick statement thick jewelry cut of meat. and a statement belt. <laughs> <laughs> he so comes yeah, out. He comes out. Um, he challenges Switchblade. He basically kind of gets in his face and is, you know, like, I want a chance at your belt now that you have this belt. And if even if Kenny is a heel stable, Kenny's ultimate defense is defending the honor of wrestling. Yeah, and that's I think why what happens next happens next. Yeah. So. Um, Hangman comes out and, and challenges him for the belt. Kenny basically pushes him off and says, uh, "Give him his give, moment. Let him, his mo- let him have his time. He won this belt from me. Gives the belt back to Switchblade. Um, and some other Bullet Club people come out, uh, including Cody, uh, who Kenny's been having problems with. And Cody's it's union mis- dispu- disputes. It the totally story is. is coming together. It's The Wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's season two of The Wire. So <laughs> Cody comes out and." Uh, 
starts getting in Kenny's face and is like, what are you doing? This is like, this is Hangman's moment. Like this is, give him his, give him his time. So and they Cody start- is also pure uh, business evil again because he's in the suit. Yes, he's wearing a gray suit with a purple tie. I feel um, like in the two matches I've watched where people are in suits, they are almost always the bad guy because they're corporate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's very true. Um, so they start kind of arguing. Um, Kenny accidentally pushes one of the young bucks and uh, which is like a big deal because they're like BFF and it's like a hard push. Like it's like pretty serious. Like- I just, I love seeing the Young Bucks now because they were kind of my first exposure and it's really great seeing my rat hole sons. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> your little dirt sons. They're so gross. They're so, uh, they're just like evil imps. They're so fun. Um, so they like, Kenny pushes one of them. They leave all like, what the fuck, man? Like kind of, you're unsure whose side they're on now. Um, Then Kenny and Cody uh, keep arguing until they like sort of shake hands. There's a fake out that everything's cool. And then Cody double crosses him. Because Cody is evil. Because Cody's evil. Cody. True evil. Puts Kenny in his move called the crossroads, which is Cody Rhodes' finishing move. Fucks him up, gets a chair, about to hit him with a chair. Who comes out? Our hero, Kota Bushi. How they chases poke off to see each Cody. other. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. He comes out. I have a quick question. Yeah. Is the crossroads spelled cro- C-R-O-S-S-R-H-O-E-D-E-S? Uh, probably. I don't know. Thank I haven't looked it up. God, because if he spelled it the traditional way, that's such a fucking waste <laughs> of a pun. My goodness. Anyway. Yeah. So Abushi comes out. He scares off all the Bullet Club guys that are, are turning on Kenny. Oh, it's like cockroaches under a light. Yeah. He's again, he's his light. He's his sun. He's his moon. Yeah. He's <gasps> everything. I love this. So he comes out. He saves Kenny. They have this moment. Kenny is, is, just completely spent because he's had a match. He got the crossroads. He's he's leaning up against the ropes and Coda comes up and tries to help him up. And <laughs> it is this long, torturous moment where they're both looking at each other. Kenny is too proud to take his hand. They both start crying. You see that beautiful tear <sighs> drop from Coda's cheek, which is so significant, especially in the fact that he is the lesser expressive one. Yeah. So, so to see, it's it's maybe an unhealthy thing to take away for your real life that like you can fix him. Yeah. He can love you. <laughs> he can show emotions. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's very, I, I don't know what kind of message that's sending, but it's true that- It's great story. That's the message. You made this dumb jock feel something, Kenny. <laughs> like you did it. And it's, yeah, he's backlit and he has his hand out and he's so beautiful. And then this single tear just falls. And he has that great scene kid hair. <sighs> and it's just, uh, you can fix your man. <laughs> no, so you it's, can't. No, he's, you can't. <laughs> he's reaching out to Kenny and Kenny is just like, he won't take his hand. He won't take his hand. And then Koda sort of turns to leave and then turns back and they embrace and they both just start sobbing (laughs) and then confetti falls from the ceiling. (sighs) It is the most over the top, like romantic, like that is how it feels when you get back together with someone you love. It feels like confetti is falling from the ceiling. I hate to use a gross term, but that's like lovemaking. Yeah. Because the confetti is nutting. Yeah, the confetti is nutting. <laughs> the confetti we is- all emotionally nutted when they oh, hugged. Oh God! Four we- years of edging, and we oh, finally—it's it's such edging. It's incredible edging. I there's so much. You're on the edge. I don't want to say edge too much, but like <laughs> you're on the edge of your seat. It's like the end of Amelie when you're like finally touch each other, finally kiss. Yeah, ah, I haven't seen Amelie since I was like 18. So if it's bad, <laughs> don't tell me. Um, <laughs> but it's just oh my God! It was such a pain. Off, I was like, I was ready to pee. It was, I was so beautiful. I I really think we should start recording my face for like bigger <laughs> stuff like this because I was just so wide eyed and just shit like completely still. Ugh. And it's it's so interesting to see where this is going to go because this is the fact that them reuniting is coinciding with Kenny basically probably leaving Bullet Club, where he he did great stuff in Bullet Club and and they. There are a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff there, but I feel like he like you said, like he's he's good at playing a heel, but he loves wrestling too much to be a heel. He's so I think that's 
more what you said. I'm going to give you credit on that <laughs> one. Yeah, you definitely have helped me shape the whole, like, he does love wrestling too much. But when we were watching, you were like, yeah, Bullet Club is a heel stable, but he just, he's too good. He's too likable. Yeah, and he's he's really fun as a heel, but, like, he... If we're talking again about faces respect wrestling and heels disrespect wrestling, he has to be a face. Like he just he he's fucking vol self for wrestling. He, this is his life. Like <laughs> Kenny Omega is vol self for wrestling. He is. Is that the title? I think that's the title. Um, <laughs> he yeah. So he's leaving Bullet Club, which is basically a face turn, and and Cody is. Uh, establishing himself further as a heel, you know, by double-crossing Kenny and everything. I do, it's, it's also, I have to give credit to Cody for somehow further establishing himself as a heel. Yeah. That's an incredible double-down. I really think people are, like, uh, annoyed. They don't think he should be leading Bullet Club because, like, he's not that great a wrestler. But he's good at this kind of stuff, and he yeah, can but, learn to wrestle better. But, okay, a leader in every sort of classic form of storytelling is never the greatest fighter. Yeah, and also... Like, Scar, Scar fucked up Mufasa, but, like, could Scar take on every single lion? No. Yeah. He's very just true. a charismatic leader. Right. And like a lot and like I'm a so glad I compared it to Scar instead of say another bad evil leader like Hitler. Um, <laughs> Cody but Rhodes is not Hitler. He's not. He's Scar. He's definitely Scar. Um because he, he has, has the black eye. He has the black eye. He has that like kind of uh horny effeminacy, like mm, mm, you know. Mm. I uh He's definitely Jeremy Irons. Yeah, he's very Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I think um I, I think people forget that bull, you're not supposed to like the Bullet Club. Like, that's how they started. They're so popular here's in America, my, but yeah, you're my, not here's supposed my question. to like them. Do, do people in America like Bullet Club because it is comprised of a lot of Americans and it's easier for us to relate? I, the A big reason they got popular in America is because they were the gaijin foreigner stable. So, like... It was it was the stable where most of the non-Japanese were. There's a colonization were. analysis that we could yeah. go for here. Yeah, totally. But all I'm gonna do is say that. Because we are <laughs> we are almost at an hour. Well, and that's and that's something too that is interesting about Kenny. And I think why Kenny didn't I, I think it makes sense for Kenny to leave the Bull Club is the Bull Club's whole thing was like, fuck your culture. We don't know Japanese. We're gonna wrestle, we're gonna beat Speak all your wrestlers. English motherfucker. Exactly. You. And Kenny Omega, like lives in Japan full-time, is fluent in Japanese, has completely assimilated to the culture. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't make sense for him to be in Bullet Club. No. Like, that's not who he is. He is, um, what's that movie where Keanu Reeves is a samurai? 47 Ronin or something like that? Sure, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any movie. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen it either. I just know that I like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, <laughs> And I like rules. Kenny Omega. Yeah. And if we could get them somehow together. Uh, they have met. I have seen a picture of them together. Yes! I know. I know. We didn't plan this. I want them we to be best friends. We didn't plan this comparison, but like, I'm so happy I learned this on mic. I'll oh post my it God. from the account. Two beautiful. Sensitive hunks. Sensitive men who could kill me with their legs or a gun. <laughs> I love Keanu Reeves. Um... <laughs> I, I feel like that's a good place to end for this, probably. We're coming up on an hour. We're coming up on an hour. The only thing we want to do is I mentioned this mid-episode. We want to give a really, really just effusive, sincere thank you to everyone who has listened to, not only just listened to our last episodes, because thank you for listening. Thank you, yeah, really. Just listening alone, but the people who have reached out and sent us emails, like, I... It's so nice that my default is to think that people were fucking with me. <laughs> and if they were, you didn't, if you were fucking with me, you didn't lean in hard enough because I didn't see through We it. didn't get it, yeah. We didn't get it. So maybe whatever. Yeah, people but, have been so cool. We've gotten so many wonderful emails. I really have felt, I felt really validated, um, especially people who are saying like that they really appreciated our perspective and that they felt like our perspective is... What they've been looking for. What they've been looking for is something that they... Pump up our egos. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> I, I don't know. The fact that people are like, you talk about why I like wrestling in a way that other people don't. There and that was, makes me feel so good. We said we wouldn't shout out any specific emails, but there was a person who said they write about uh, wrestling from an ac academic analysis and they'd never thought about it before. I, it's too much time if I look up your name on my phone. I don't know if you want me to say it. You made me cry. 
You yeah. made me cry in a really wonderful way. And I kept texting Kath, like, look, we have seven more emails and going back and marking them as unread so she could find them easily. Um, it's just even the people who reached out with, like, slight critique, you yeah, guys all... did so, so kindly and you did so, so constructively. And we just want to say thank you for being good people and for... Kind of, yeah, again, solidifying that there is an audience for this. And it's not just us being like, our conversation was fun to us. Yeah, <laughs> I really, I'm really, really happy about that. And I feel really validated. Um, yeah, so thank you. Again, the critiques we've gotten have been great. And, and we've hopefully put some of them into practice for this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, keep all of it coming. Um, yeah. We, we really love it. We're probably going to open up like a curious cat or something. Mm -hmm. So if you are, I understand sometimes it's hard to send an email. Yeah. Uh, so again, the fact that people did reach out and send emails is so cool. Thank you. Uh, we just hit a thousand followers on the podcast Twitter. Too. Yeah. Um, and if you don't follow us and you would like to, we are twitter.com slash Russellsplania. Um, SoundCloud.com slash Russellsplania. Uh, I did register register us an, us an Instagram, but I haven't posted anything on it okay, yet. keep an eye out for that. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Rachel Millman. Kath is at Kath Barbadoro. Um, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. One more plug before we go. Um, uh, Illy Boshin made us a wonderful oh, Illy Boshin, logo. Yes. So it's not just me and MS Paint anymore. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. It's awesome. It's on our, our Twitter. We're going to upload it with this episode uh, if too. You, uh, if you feel so inclined, listen to Illy's uh, podcast. Punta Vista Social Club. Yes. Um, you can just Google that. Yeah. Listen to that. <laughs> uh, listen to Gear Switch. Uh, listen to Gear Switch. The wrestling podcast about wrestling fashion. And uh, yeah, great we haven't you. even talked about Gear Switch yet. We can't wait. We're definitely going to be doing a crossover episode with yeah. Gear Switch. That's keep in the mind. works. Keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, do all the good stuff. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. One or two, baby.